0: This episode of the Inside EMS Podcast is sponsored by Verizon Frontline, the advanced network for first responders on the front lines. Learn more at verizon.com forward slash frontline. Hello, everyone. I'm Chris Sabalero, host of the Inside EMS Podcast, and I am honored today to host a special crossover edition on this 911 memorial show with Jim Dudley, host of Policing Matters. Aaron Zamzow, host of Better Every Shift, and, of course, myself uh, from inside EMS. And we are going to have a great discussion about uh, what 9-11 has meant and how we can prepare in the future to ensure that these events uh, never happen again or that we're better prepared. So let's go ahead and get into that show right now. You know, so Jim, if I go to you first and ask you, just from the police side, and we think about 9-11, I mean, what's the feeling now? You know, kind of as we we thought about this, you know, we've got a whole generation now that's coming into the workforce that wasn't even alive when this happened. Of course, they know they're learning about it in school. But now, as we start to think about the, the feeling of 9-11 from the police side, what, is it, what does it mean?
1: Yeah, well, I, you have a point, but I think it's partially being taught in, in school, and there are different... Uh, history revisionists out there uh, talking about different things. But I think 22 years post 9-11, a lot of things have changed. We had so much great support uh, by the people in the community, by legislators, good support, good backing, police, fire, EMS. And I think we saw so much of that erode over the last 20 years, uh, so much more over the last decade especially on the police side of public safety. And so when we should really be embracing the technology that's out there available to us, we are shunning it in a lot of regions across the country. Um, We've had some states ban things like uh, artificial intelligence or crime mapping or facial recognition systems that could really be helping us. Uh, As far as the police, yeah, I mean, we've got a lot of young cops out there who, it may have happened when they were alive, but they might have been two, three, four. And so I don't think they have that um, that real perception that we did from being uh,
0: professionals
1: working when 9-11 happened and the impact that had on us and, and on a nation that wasn't ready for it, wasn't prepared to handle the psychological impact of it. But on that day, there was stunned people out there. And then public safety went right into action. Fire certainly, police certainly, EMS doing everything they could to save lives and evacuate people from really hazardous situations. And uh, the toll, especially on firefighters, has still uh, been seen over the years, over the decades on their health. And um, we've had we've lost a lot of good people because of the ramifications from those rescues. But uh, I think right now police officers uh, are well trained. They are ICS trained. They use ICS for events, uh, planned events, spontaneous events used to mitigate circumstances of maybe a mass casualty incident, a mass shooter, things like that. And I think we're going forward, uh, talked with Eric O'Neill on my podcast from Ray Tom, who is training police officers to be fully EMS trained. And I think that is just uh, something long overdue and a force multiplier for fire and EMS as well. So some good things, but some drawbacks
0: indeed. And I think you're absolutely right. One of the things that we talk about now is, you know, augmenting the first responders. Of course, you know, uh, I'm going to talk to Zam and ask him the same question here. And but one of the things, you know, they got the average on scene time of four minutes, same as police. And if we can start to think about uh, delivering aid as quick as we can, I think that that's a great place to be. But Zam, I want to give you the same thought now when we think about 9-11 and certainly, you know, uh, you know, fire had such a big impact Uh, you know, we saw the, uh, FDNY running into these buildings, knowing that they may not come out and, uh, you know, the selflessness that really went into that. What's the lesson or what, what's, what, what are firefighters now thinking kind of along the same lines of a generation now is coming in that may have been two, three, four, as, as Jim said, and, uh, you know, keeping this legacy going.
2: Yeah, I think, um, you know, Jim touched on it too. One of the things that we're seeing now, 22 years past, is um, not only just the event, but then all the cleanup, um, and and then and then dealing with the mental health side of that too. I think uh, some of the things that I I still see that were that that 9/11 has really helped with the fire service. I believe that one is um, it really brought forth you know, more of the cancer initiatives because a lot of those individuals that were on the mound cleaning and, and, and working the, those tireless, tireless hours to try to, um, you know, do what they could, uh, you know, a lot of them have come down with cancer. I mean, the, the numbers there are astronomical. And I think that's brought not only uh, an awareness, but, but research towards, um, you know, at least on the fire side, what we're going into as far as uh, environments. You know, the other side of that is the mental health toll that it's taken, um, you know, years down the road, uh, people having to deal with going to 150 funerals. And, um, you know, and, and it's brought that those kind of issues to the forefront so that we we talk about them a lot more. Um, and hopefully the police have kind of seen that as well, where, you know, it's mass casualty incidents like this that, uh, you know, I think bring out some of the best things. Um and I'm carefully wording this, of course, the incident itself is horrific, but you see just what we do. you know, we saw firefighters run into that building and there were police officers there too that were were um, you know, in harm's way trying to get people out of there and and that's what we do. um And now we're seeing, hey, even though we we do that, there are harms beyond just that physical incident. and um and so the awareness that was brought to that, I think both on the police and the fire side is still um, prevalent today. And, and it's, it's growing and advancing, um, on the other side of that, you had mentioned it's 22 years removed. And there's a lot of our, um, you know, younger population, younger generation that has their own perception of what happened on 9-11. Um, there are some great media outlets that, that really help to preserve that. But I think, um, you know, it's up to us to really tap into those that were still there and, and, um, you know, make sure that we we understand just the, the broad scale of how it's affected us. You know, back in the day, uh, right after 9-11, fire trucks, you know, anybody driving a fire truck down, if you had lights and sirens on, like, the wall, like everyone parted, you know, and, and we don't see that anymore. Police, I'm sure, the same way, right? Like, now, all of a sudden, you know, in some cases, we're the bad guys. And, you know, after that event, it was uh, the exact opposite. Um, so, you know, it's a cyclical kind of thing, right? Um, we're still seeing the effects of it in the fire service. Uh, one thing that Jim mentioned, and I think you'll probably touch on is just, you know, ICS and incident command. I think there is some positive that that uh, it, it's taken us a long time, but now police and fire are starting to become on the same page during these incidents, you know, a lot more. But, um, you know, like I said, I don't like to call it an anniversary. It's a, the markings, it's a, you know, historical event and. and um you know anybody listening i think if if you have young ones teach them about that event um just for the sake of of history and um and and to keep uh, the memories alive of all those people that perished that day
0: yeah and i think that that's the really tough part of this is is really kind and i'm with you i said anniversary too when we were talking but an anniversary is that of celebration and maybe it should be a celebration you know maybe it should be a celebration of professionalism maybe it be, should be a, a celebration of dedication maybe it should be a celebrate you know whatever it is but you know from an ems side i think some of the things that we're seeing is the forgetfulness of what that meant right and but more importantly it's are we prepared for when it happens in our communities next right and we think about things that have transpired certainly the terrorists attacked and we were very very worried about that then we had the challenges with the anthrax and you know we were really kind of hyper vigilant in trying to make sure and i think that we've kind of gotten away from that you know but the point that you guys have made that i just don't want to gloss over is that there are people that are still dying because of this incident some 20 years later right and i think now what we have to think about as a career field in ems as a career field in fire as a Career field for our police brethren, what do we have to be able to ensure that this legacy prevails? You know, I was in New York City in March and I had the opportunity to, or maybe it was May, I can't remember, I'm getting old, guys, but I had the opportunity to go to the 911 Memorial. I grew up in New York City. And I got to see the Twin Towers every day when I left my home. And I knew that it was there. We would hang out there. We would go to the stores underneath. You were able to walk for blocks underneath those buildings. You know, there was a restaurant at the top. My friend asked his wife to marry him at the top and windows of the world. And now when we think about what we have today, we have memories. But do we really have the memories that keep us from reliving this type of event again you know i'd like to think we are but i mean jim when we think about this from a a, a police side in preparation you you talked about ics i want you to touch on that a little bit you know i, I just want to and i keep going back we're talking about history and you know in uh, 2001 we had this event you know the, the president came out and said everybody's got to be ics certified we have to have the 200 and 300 and 400 and in 2014 I had the opportunity to lead the medical branch of the uh, Ferguson event in Ferguson, Missouri. And the first thing that I kept saying is who's in charge here, who's in charge Hmm. here, who's in charge here. And it took forever for incident command to be set up for us to follow all those things. And I can't think after all these years that it's gotten any better, but I'm babbling, Jim, let me go ahead and give it back to you.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, I think it starts with leadership uh, at all levels, but leadership at every agency for the chief or the sheriff or the fire chief or the EMS chief to say, we are dedicated to this small events, draw it in the dust on the back of your radio car, pull out a eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, put it up on a whiteboard or pull out your command van and run it the way it should be with an incident commander or a joint unified command, and then break it down into ops, logistics, uh, finance, and uh, what am I missing? Operations, planning, logistics, and admin finance, right? So break it down and and practice it over and over again, because it's got to be second nature when the big one hits. And like I said, we've used it at mass casualty incidents, at shootings, uh, I, I can think of a couple off the top of my head where we use them. But we just like uh, Aaron said, we are getting that cohesiveness where we are recognizing rules. We're not meeting our opposite number on the battlefield anymore. We know them. We've done exercises and training. And and the economic factor should not be a factor. FEMA puts out 100, 200, 700, 800 for free, and the law enforcement agencies many more subsets beyond that. So if you are an agency, you're listening to this podcast, if you're not practicing ICS, find out why and explain to your chief sheriff, it's free, we gotta do it, we should start doing it now. And I think the leadership aspect goes beyond that. It is about sending out uh, annual reminders when these events happen, whether they're a local event or a national event like 9-11, to remember and never forget we said we would never forget but i don't know if across the country we're holding true to that motto
0: yeah and i think my fear my biggest fear with that and you know you, you gave us a little icing on the cake there is you know pearl harbor day right what does pearl harbor day mean back when these people lived through pearl harbor day i mean they were just all, my mom i mean she was you know talked about it like uh it happened in the backyard we lived in new york city right um But the same thing with 9-11, right? That's how we were living. That's how we were talking about it. And now as we start to think about what the future looks like, and and I want to get to that a little bit, is what what do we want to try to work on in between now and next year when we get together to talk about this? But, Zam, I want to give it to you as well. When we think about this from an incident command standpoint, are we seeing it used enough as you know, we should, are we practicing like, you know, practicing like we need to play. I mean, Jim brought up a great, uh, you know, thought about that, but I'd like to get your take on it.
2: I, it's, it's gotten better. I think, um, you know, unfortunately, we've had quite a few mass casualty incidents around the country, we have them way too regularly. And I think one of the things that that has done is it started the conversation, you know, agencies, you um, you know, like, like Jim ha- has mentioned, there's, you know, on, on the, on the police side, I think are, are reaching out as, as, as our EMS and fire to at least try to, to get on the same page. Um, But it takes, I think, leadership and, and practice. I mean, we, you have to go through and, um you know, set time aside, set resources aside and make sure that you're, you're working with all the agencies involved. I know um I, I, I take pride in my department. We do a very, very good job of that. We actually uh, discovered in one of our drills that we were okay, but the hospitals were not on board with it and the hospitals weren't ready. Um, and so I think it doesn't matter what size community as far as, you know, we're, I, I work in a, in a bigger municipality. And so of course there's resources there, but if you're listening to this and you're a chief, whether you're police or fire and you're in a small district, small town, We've seen that nobody is. Um, you, you, it, it, this can happen anywhere, and so if you're in a department of 10 people, with you know 10 officers and 20 part-time firefighters, you guys need to get together. And all the information is there. But what I'd like to see talking next year is, yeah, this is part of not only you know the fire culture on on permanent on call or uh, on on career firefighters, but also on call volunteer they're reaching out to the police side and police sides reaching out to fireside and we're on the same page for ICS. And, and we talk about what are we going to do if this happens in our community? And um, you know, it's, it's very, it's unfortunate that it's gotten to that, but we're also in protective service and we need to be proactive in the way that we look at these things. You know, I think Jim and Chris both mentioned, we kind of were back on our heels after this happened, right? Like, we looked and said, this can never happen. Well, it did. And we did a heck of a job responding after the fact. And we were very proactive for a, a period of time. And I think that's gotten a little bit lax. And we need to stay on our toes, stay diligent. And 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 I think that's one of the best ways to remember all those people that have sacrificed these events. Right. Yeah. Is to is to to grow from them. And you know, on on a, another note of that is as we get these incidences. Around the country, we need to be able to talk and share what we've learned. And, you know, um, you know, I know podcasts like what Jim does and what you do, Chris, we do that, we try to do that on better every shift as well. Um, But we, we can't be afraid to talk about what things we did well, and what things we didn't do well to help others involved, because it, it doesn't happen. Hopefully it doesn't happen more than once in someone's career. But I think 9-11 brought it to the forefront that it can and it it probably will in some point. So, you know, um, so I, I, I really hope next year when we're talking that 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 it's more prevalent, um, you know, where agencies are working together.
0: And I think that that's a great place to. Uh, transition. And I want to go ahead and take a uh, a minute. I want to go ahead and and, uh, read a little mid-show break for us. But one of the things that I want to talk about when we come back from this break, Jim, I'm going to come to you, is what the future looks like. And particularly, I want to touch on AI because you kind of mentioned it. And Zam, I want to kind of talk about and think about what we're going to do in the future. But as we reflect on the events of September 11th, we are honored And remember those who answered the call that day and all first responders who continue to do so today. To the firefighters, police officers, paramedic, and dispatchers who took an oath to serve, and all of those on the front line who carried out their mission when America needed them most. We salute you, remain committed to you. Thank you from the people who work at Verizon Frontline. We vow to never forget. As you perform your mission every day, inspiring our nation and those you serve and we want to spend send a special thank you all of us to verizon for sponsoring this crossover podcast and uh, they've truly been a great partner for us all. So uh, we want to thank Verizon for that. But Jim, you kind of heard the setup before we went to the read. And now we think about what do we do, right? We're we're here. We're the leaders of our respected career fields. Jim, you've had years and years of uh, being in the police service. and years and years of being in the fire service. Uh, they built EMS around me. So I've been around EMS for a long time. But now when we think about sending this message out, right? We do this weekly. We send these messages out. What do we need to reflect on? So from the AI side, you brought that up and you talked about, Jim, how it's how it's kind of hit or miss, depending on where you are. What does it need to look like for this security of our country and the success of the men and women in uniform?
1: Well, that, I mean, it's a great point to talk about. And And first of all, 23 years ago, we understand there was precursor situational awareness. And precursor activity that we should have paid attention to. And and we're not here to blame anybody, but think of what would have happened if we did investigate some of those reports, some within the FBI, and then followed up on them. We've seen uh, information sharing drop. We've seen big events where in in open source information, we knew there was going to be a possibility of, of trouble, like January 6th, and mm-hmm. we've seen some active shooter incidents where we've had leadership freeze and there was no follow-up to ensure that someone else would take charge and take it over. So AI, we're at an advanced advanced level now where we can tie systems together, have common operating systems and platforms. We've got crime mapping, we've got flock ALPR, tie all them together. Uh, I interviewed a guy from uh, Zero Eyes that will check social media or any kind of videos, live videos or archive videos, and it will pick out, the AI will pick out a firearm, even if somebody brandishes it, like three guys getting ready to go rob a store or a bank, and they're showing each other the guns. If it's captured on a video, that alert is sent to an analyst and then out to 9-11 for dispatch. I mean, that's the kind of AI that we could be using. We're not using it. Like I said before, some states have prohibited the use. And why aren't we using it? i mean, we we need to move away from the political stances, um, the the accusations of them being unfair. But uh, license plate readers, how unfair can they be? They see a license plate, it's reported stolen, reported from a shooting, reported from some other kind of crime, and it's dispatched to cops. And yet you still have some communities fighting against it. And I think it's because we're not telling them how it works. I think the mystery is there to to think that it's rigged and we're only going to oppress uh, young men of color. And, And that's certainly not the case. But I mean, we've been ringing the bell um, in, in in America. Just a few months ago, we had these mysterious balloons floating over the country and we waited and waited and waited and we finally acted. And how much information was gathered, I, I'm not an expert on any of that, but I think closer to home Something like 90% of the drones that we're using in America, including in police and fire agencies, are from one country. And a country that's been suspected of archiving information, recording information, taking GIS information. And so we are exposing ourselves every time we send a drone over critical infrastructure or we show a tactic by our SWAT team or anything else like that. So, I mean, this is where... The legislature has to move on these things. And if that's the case, then let's get rid of them. They're cheap. And that's why a lot of agencies buy them. But then let's replace them with something American made, something uh, that's formatted for policing. Yeah. Yeah. Non-hackable. I talked to uh, Blake at Brink, who's developed some great systems there, Lemur, 2 is a great drone system designed just for law enforcement. Blake Resnick, he's a kid genius and if if the listeners could check out that podcast, they'll be much better informed.
0: We'll see if we could put that in the show notes. We'll get that over from Police Matters and throw that in the show notes so people can check it out. Because I think your point is well taken. We've got to be able to be educated on this. You know, the big things that you now, you see these AI uh, apps that will mess with your picture and turn you into a, a, you know, but then the fear is, everything's going to be facial recognition and, and someone is putting these apps together. And now my face is somewhere that's being replicated that they can get into whatever I've used my facial recognition for. And I think that those are where the concerns were, but you know, Zam, when we now start to think about this from a fire standpoint, you know, uh, we think about what AI can do to help us in the um, you know, I was talking to an inspector and he was an inspector that does, Uh, Just a few weeks ago, he does um, ships. He builds ships, right? So his job is to go in and check out all the stuff that's happening in stages. Well, through AI, he's able to put these glasses on and he's able to look at a certain piece of the ship and see what it's supposed to look like completed. And then he's able to break this down into different stages to say, well, this isn't done or this needs to, or whatever that is. So cool. But when we think about this from a preparation from the fire service, and we think about all the work that we have to do for safety or even before. Or, uh buildings or or you know or in the process of being built when the inspectors go in and do i mean how important is this for us to think about what the next generation is going to look like we're not working for today we're working for the next 5 and 10 and 15 years now and how do we need to prepare for this
2: uh when fire i think you you hit one of the major reasons or may, main ways we can utilize it is for um for pre-incident training and for pre-incident planning, um, using drones, uh, even just to see where, um, you know, where access points are in buildings, building construction, um, understanding how things burn. Now everything's burning different. And even the last 20 years, we found that, um, you know, things are burning because of the different, differently because of the different chemicals in, in which they're created. And we need to utilize technology to uh, provide us with research. We need to have technology to provide us with, again, this pre incident planning kind of um, domain. And then um, I also believe that we need to utilize technology on the opposite side of that, which is uh, keeping our first responders ready from a health and wellness standpoint is um, monitoring scenes for carcinogens is one way, but also... There's a lot of technology that's being used in um, healthcare that isn't getting to fire and police, at least not economically. Um, you know, for uh, for cancer uh, initiatives, uh, even for mental health initiatives, by using even AI, we can start to recognize people that might be more susceptible for mental health issues or health oh. issues in general. So, you know, there's there's ways to embrace technology both on the response side. And then on, um, you know, on the, the opposite side, after we respond, and, and that's the other part that I think, um, you know, in fire, we're seeing a lot more focus with. And I, I think in police as well, right, I don't want to speak um, out, of, out of context there, Jim, but, um, you know, utilizing uh, the technology um, on that side as well for the individual police officer, the individual firefighter, I think we, firefighter, we need to embrace that and, and, and medic. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to even see that there are now some uh, parameters coming up where they're using AI to see, um, you know based off of health parameters and and investors, um, whether or not an officer or firefighter is really ready for the shift that day based on. Oh, yeah, calls, yeah, prior calls, sleep, um, you know, health issues. Um, and you know, in some particular, uh, uh, programming is is categorizing them as yellow, red and green, um, and whether they're more susceptible to injury or, or even, um, you know, mental health or anxiety issues. Uh, so I, I believe that, that as an industry, we have to start to really focus on the specific tools that can help us do our job more effectively. Because the other part of this that we haven't even addressed is after 9 like when we wanted to hire police and fire, the doors were open and the people were flocking in. And now we're opening the door and we're looking around and people are going, maybe I'm going to pass maybe, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so if we can utilize AI, if we can utilize technology, help us become more efficient and effective, we need to embrace that because we're going to start to see really this, this, this lack of um, not response, but you're, you're going to start to see that we're going to have to do more with less
0: yeah, a good and point.
2: Uh, and we we're gonna have to to lean on technology. You know, as Jim was was talking about, it can help us do our job better, and it can help us stay fit and well and healthy to do what we're supposed to be
0: doing. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's uh-huh. a lot of good things that you touched on there. I wouldn't even know how to unpack that, but you know, on this special edition, this crossover edition of Policing Matters, better every shift inside EMS as we reflect on uh, 9-11 and certainly where we've been and where we're going, I, I do want to focus on this as we're kind of getting up there in time. It's going to be a little bit longer than our normal show as we all got uh, great things to opine on. But Jim, what do we need to do now in the future? Right? I mean, we, we, we did a lot of stuff. You talked about, you know, uh, 700, 800, they're free. Talk to your chief sheriff and, and uh, get, Back then, we didn't have to worry about it. We were all required. We all had to prove. We all had to show our certificates to me, right? So, uh, what do we do now as we think about the future? As we go forward in the next year, and the next three years, I mean, what are we supposed to look at, and how are we supposed to keep ourselves vigilant? And uh, you know that these things, uh, at least when they happen again, we're a little bit better prepared.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it again. It comes down to leadership, and it starts at you know the president and the department of homeland security and all the way down to local law enforcement we need to have an annual audit and look at all of our supplies you know we we after 911 we looked at the supplies from the last big attack right world war 2 and we found old, you know, radiological stuff and water in cans that was, you know, it had evaporated and dosimeters that didn't work and things like that. Well, now, after 9/11, we had uh, PPEs in the trunk of every radio car and training every year. And little by little, the suits expired, the training stopped, the funds ran out, and. You know, we may be at a a situation worse than before, so we need that impetus to take another run at preparedness, training, exercises, PPE, equipment, and a best practices manual. And that's got to come from above so that we're all doing it the same. I mean, we've, we've had situations where we do have mutual aid from another outside county fire department coming in. And their hoses don't connect to our hydrants or their hoses don't connect to ours. We've got to sort all those things out so that we truly are prepared. And uh, I think, you know, Aaron makes some great points about fitness and, and mental health. Yeah. And the better prepared we are, the better prepared mentally we are to go into the mode of reacting and then sorting it out later, you know, post uh situation and then you know bring in the mental health experts and and the mental wellness people to help support our our first
0: responders. Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of summed that up for everybody. I don't even know we need to talk anymore, Aaron, right? But but Sam, I want to give you the same thought. I mean, from a fireside, you know, one year, 3 years, I mean, how do we put ourselves back in this vigilant mode that we were once in uh you know as we are thinking about the events that happened on 9/11. What what do we get from the fireside?
2: I uh, I think uh, you know first you know Jim hit on leadership and and he was he was right on. Uh, if you're a, a chief officer or you're someone in in that's leading kind of your your group and uh, your your organization, first thing I would do is 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 really urge you to to reach out to the other departments, reach out to police, reach out to the hospitals, reach out to um, you know EMS branch, and hey, let's get together. Let's make sure we're all on the same page and let's put ourselves in some of these scenarios and, and maybe set, set up some trainings and make sure that everybody is as well prepared as possible. And that goes down to, do we have enough supplies? Our supplies expired. What are we going to need? If, you know, something And doesn't have to be as large as nine 11, but some multi casualty incident or mass casualty incident happens, um, you know, and, Reach out again to the uh, not only you know, please, but if you're a fire service, reach out to your communities you do mutual aid with. make sure you're all on the same page. Um, and and from a leadership standpoint, you know you don't have to have all the answers, but bring the right people into the room and and come up with a plan. And then I think individually, um we all need to just look in the mirror. and and i I was very fortunate. i've I've had some great mentors and and a couple of my mentors were from FDMI. and they were around. That time, um, everything from um, Chief Salka to uh, Frank Lito to Frank Lieb. Um, And whenever I look at those individuals, there's something within me that I just want to be better for them and what they've had to go through. You know, listening to uh, the stories, uh, you know, Chief Salka tells a story where he was on the mound for the second week and he was trying to take just a digital picture of the moon. And when he took the picture, it didn't come through. And he looked at it, he thought, God, something must be wrong with it, clean the lens. And what was happening was when the flash went off, it would reflect from all the dust that was still in the air two weeks after. And he knew then that there was going to be other ramifications, yet they still did what they had to do. And, you know, transferring that on to to Chief Lieb, who um, was, uh, you know, FDNY's head training, He just says it's up to all of us to try to get better, try to improve, try to do something to hone in our profession, to provide the best service we can when we're called to do that. And that doesn't require a chief. That doesn't require leadership. That requires a mirror, and that requires you and some dedication. And so I think the other side of this, to remember those that have sacrificed and that ran up the stairs and and, and escorted people in the eyes of danger, that you owe it to them. Um, to to just try to be your best every day, and and to try to improve. And so, um, I think that's the way that you you keep their legacy alive. And um, if you ever get a chance to go to the 9/11 memorial, do it. If you get yeah. a chance to to ask questions of someone, a police officer or a firefighter that was around New York at that time, even some, anybody who's lived in New York that was around that time, they have vivid memories and stories of how it affected them, and and. Um, I think it's really important to take note of those.
0: Yeah. And I think that, I mean, you guys hit it perfectly. I don't know what I need to add to that from an EMS side, but one of the things that I I don't want to gloss over that Zam really kind of brought to light is the best way um, for us to remember the people who sacrificed was to do our job better and cleaner than the next guy. And we shouldn't be thinking about the events of nine 11 uh, only on the anniversary Uh, We should be thinking about this constantly because these are people who went to work one morning, one spring morning, and never came home. And that could be any one of us on any given day. And we've got to be able to remember what those events meant. So, you know, for Jim Dudley, he's the host of Policing Matters. Go ahead and check out his show. He's got a lot of great shows he is uh he is the man of the hour too sweet to be sour i'm gonna go ahead and say that jim that's my <laughs> that's my uh, uh you know kickoff for you uh aaron zamzo janelle Fosket, who is uh host co-host of better every shift and for um kelly grayson i'm chris Sabalero. i do want to send a shout out to our international correspondent and host of the ems one-stop rob lawrence uh, who is uh, traveling around the world uh, having a good time? Uh, couldn't join us. Um, but, you know, 9 11, man, what does it mean to you? What are you going to do to remember? And, and how are you going to make this a credit to the people that went before us? So I want to thank everybody for joining us on this special edition, this crossover podcast of Policing Matters, Better Every Shift, and the Inside EMS podcast. And we'll all catch you on our own networks on our own stations in the coming week. We want to thank you for joining us.